In talking with a group of entrepreneurs, I think that it is always important to step into the reality and the truth that you are the creator of your own life. I think the most successful people in business don't uh, stay in victimhood very long and they don't make excuses. And I, I want to be clear, right? There's a difference between victimhood, just a state of mind, and victimization, which is something that happens to you, right? And I'm not saying that that's okay, right? That happens and, you know, uh, I have empathy for that. But I think when we're talking about entrepreneurship and those who are successful, they choose to get past victimization and the state of being of victimhood and see themselves always as a creator. I will never take away someone's power of choice. And so it's sad to me to see people do that to themselves. So I would say you are the creator of your own life and I'm excited about what you're building. Congrats to you. Welcome to the Unscript Authentic Leadership Podcast, a podcast where we're seeking to lead change while also seeking to understand. We're also here as a platform for leaders to come together to unite, to develop and empower other leaders in the areas of business, family and community. I'm your host, Lafayette Lane, joined by my co-host, John LeBron. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Kristen Corpian, who has joined us to have a conversation on what you need to know to protect your IP and your trademark. Kristen is an award-winning attorney, legal advocate, educator, and community leader. She is the face of the modern lawyer and founder of Corp Law an innovative Miami-based law firm serving traditional small businesses and fast-growing technology companies and entrepreneurs as fractional general counsel. Tonight, she's right here on the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast. Kristen, thanks for coming on. Guys, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So tonight, we're talking about what you need to know to protect your IP and your trademark. What is one of the biggest mistakes or things that entrepreneurs don't know that they fall into the trap of, of not knowing about their trademark or their IP that you have seen as a lawyer? Yeah. So your intellectual property, it's an asset. And I think there are a lot of lawyers who are bad at business. <laughs> I'm not one of them. And so they don't think about the real business function of some legal concepts like intellectual property, which to be clear, includes patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Um, the way that my firm thinks about business overall is that all the pieces are together. So I know we're focusing on IP, but all the business stuff works together when you're trying to protect your business. So I would say if you have to, um, if I have to give one answer, it's not thinking about your IP, whether it's a trademark or patent, as a valuable business asset. When we think of things as assets, we try to protect them. If we don't, then maybe not so much. So think of your IP as your asset. Very cool. So when is it? I've our family is very pretty entrepreneurial. We've had different companies and so forth. And the conversation has come up at different times. Like, is this something we should try to trademark or you know? And then, and as you research, it's, it seems apparent that it's harder to trademark certain some things over others. And then what do you want to invest in going down the trademark route for what can you give some guidance a small business? Yeah. I feel like they have something of value that maybe they should trademark so it doesn't sort of get stolen. But when is it worth actually going down that road? Because I would if I remember right, it's a several thousand dollar investment and plus time and energy. 
when is it worth it? And when is it a good idea just to kind of leave it alone? Well, I would flip it and I would ask the question, think of, you know, the name you're trying to protect or the slogan. And I would say, would you care if someone copied it? Like, how would you feel about it? Mm. And if your answer is, I don't care, I could operate under a different name. I'm thinking about changing my logo. Then maybe it's not worth protecting. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to do business under a different name. Maybe you're very generic, like a lot of law firms. You know, they do business under personal names. And so maybe it really doesn't matter so much to have that trademark. But if you are investing time, energy, and resources in building a recognizable brand, and you would feel pissed off (laughs) if somebody started poaching it, copying it, taking advantage of the goodwill you started investing in building, well, then I think just by feeling alone, it's probably time to invest. And when that's going to mean something for you as a business owner, I think is dependent on you individually. Some folks roll the dice forever. They never protect their brand through a trademark. You know, as a business owner, you're in the driver's seat. It's your call. But I would say if you would feel a certain kind of way about somebody poaching your stuff that you've spent a lot of time building and investing in, well, then you should start thinking about this as a route for you. Now, is it sort of just, is there any just natural protections on those things? Kind of like if you get a copyright or if you don't get something copyrighted, isn't there sort of a proof of this was mine first sort of copyright rule behind that? Does that work with trademarks and so forth too? Yeah. So you are building that brand goodwill and I'm going to simplify IP law in a way Mm -hmm. that I do when I teach stuff to different entrepreneurs, right? So um, the creator of a thing and the thing could be like, art or photos or, you know, whatever the creation, the thing owns the thing. I'm going to say it again. The creator of the thing owns the thing. And that's by default Mm -hmm. in the U S. So if you create something, you own it. And so the law is going to protect that ownership interest, even before you get that additional top shelf protection of a trademark. Mm. So think of it as more of the top shelf protection when you finally make that investment to secure a trademark or a patent. Okay. Very interesting. That's, that's, that's so good. And I want to speak to the educational piece because I think a lot of what we're talking about is just the absence of not knowing whether that's willful ignorance or just literally people don't know. Um, you made a post about that as business owners. You said we cannot abdicate our responsibility about things you do not know the laws and essential piece. So what is the best investment route for business owners to say, okay, I want to know about this, but I don't, should I read books? Should I invest in a masterclass? What's the best route for me to educate myself to protect my business? You guys always do such good research. So yes, I, I do think, you know, business owners can't abdicate their responsibility for any of the key, you know, um, topic areas that you need to be aware of as a business owner. So like accounting, marketing, financial protection, sales. If you're not good at one of those things or you don't have the knowledge, you've got to invest in learning it. Uh, That's my belief as an entrepreneur myself. I consider myself an entrepreneur and a lawyer since I've started my own firm um, and built it from the ground up. And I was raised by entrepreneurs. So just feel like I think like one. 
Um, but when it comes to the legal side of things, since that's what we do at Corp Law, we're focused on that intersection of business and law, which is quite broad. I would say that hmm, depending on where you are, so let's say you're pre-revenue generating idea phase company of one. I respect it. I've been there. Maybe it's not the time for you to invest in a thousand dollar an hour attorney at the biggest law firm in town. Maybe that's not the best and highest use of the limited resources that you probably have. Not knocking that potential option, but probably your focus should be somewhere else. So you can, I think we're in good company and something like this, listen to an amazing podcast like this one, gather as much free information as you can and just start educating yourself. And I think to do that, you have to identify your weaknesses. For me, one of them is financials. So I'm very interested in learning what accountants have to say, bookkeepers have to say, so that I know enough to manage the amazing accountants and bookkeepers that I bring onto my team. So let's, how deep does someone need to go when they're actually protecting their, this information? Like, is it, can you just, is there surface level, sort of like an LLC type of thing? Or like, do they need to protect slogans? I mean, how, like, how deep does this really need to get? Well, so the way that I teach this, I, I always talk about, depending on how much time I have, the ABCs of legal. For me, A is asset, which I started you know, started with, I recommend, um, and, and we, and I'm happy to share this with anyone if they want to email me or, or I'll give it to you guys. Um, but we have a, a table where we recommend every business sort of chronicle from most profit generating to least their assets and be clear on what is the most uh, important asset in your business. Is it your IP? If so, that's a surface level consideration. If so, you know, it's really for economic reasons that you should be protecting it. And then how deep do we go for lawyers? Deep, thorough analysis is all we do. (laughs) That's what you pay us to do so you don't have to. You know, we like reading those hundred page contracts. God bless you. You can spend your time (laughs) selling and marketing and doing all those other fun CEO type things. I like skimming those contracts. (laughs) Don't even bother. So we have DocuSign. Send yeah. you right to the next signature. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> That's okay. No judgment. We we hear everything. We've seen a lot of DIY contracts. So mm. I'm not judging. Very cool. So I had a thought and I just lost it. I'm just I'm thinking about like the small business, right? Because I live in that world. And it's funny because like you take a small I can tell you a company can be a couple million in sales, which to some people who don't have a business, that sounds like a lot. It's really not. When you take your staff and some high expensive employees that you need for talent, it's still, I mean, can you invest in some things? Sure. But you can't just toss it. You're not just saying, that's only a couple grand. It's only five grand. Who cares? It does, those things don't come to mind. It's still like, do we want to spend the 10 grand on this? And so you had mentioned that there's a baseline of protection from... The creator to the thing. The creator of the thing. The creator of the thing. Thank you. And then you have top shelf. So I can I can see it now. Some people say, well, Kristen said I have this general protection because I am the creator of the thing. So I don't need top shelf. What is the top shelf going to do for them? Because that's where you come in. 
listen, you can ride around in a car without your seatbelt and probably be okay. (laughs) (laughs) The car itself has probably great safety ratings, right? And probably you're not going to get hit by anything. But would you? Do you? Mm. And whether or not you put that seatbelt on in terms of business can be an economic choice. But I think mature entrepreneurs care about protecting the foundation of what they built. And I feel like, and I can say this as a recovering immature entrepreneur, so Mm -hmm. constantly learning, constantly growing. I think it is the immature entrepreneurs who do things on the cheap and who let other professionals care more about their business than Mm -hmm. they do. So I personally don't like to behave in business by running around without that seatbelt on. I'm going to pay for the best seatbelt I can (laughs) and make sure that my empire, which I've invested blood, sweat, and tears into building, is safe. Because basically that trademark is proof, right? Isn't it just basically saying, I've already proven that this is mine and no one else can have it versus having to go prove things later. Is that basically what that's doing? you creating it so the proof is there already you know the standard kind of protection driving around in the car without the seatbelt is pretty good you know um but what you're getting from when you apply for a trademark or a patent you apply through a federal agency so united states patent and trademark office uspto um and when you apply and you get that uh, certification that you've got this trademark you now have the ability to hold people accountable for infringing on the mark Sue them, you know, you have that additional top shelf protection. Let's call it the seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Go ahead, Lafayette. No, you're, you're, you're good, bro. I think what you're, you're speaking to, John, alluding to as you were talking, I was thinking about is that word strategy. Because I think that a lot of business owners, we have great ideas. Or, you know, you launch out and you have a, a product or you have some a solution that you want to offer, but there's not a strategy. There's not a roadmap to to what you're doing. How important is strategy in the formula of success for small business owners or owners at large? I think strategy is everything and strategy by people who know what they're doing. When it comes to the law, I think I get the question, you know, often about we're a small business, we're a startup, we can't afford legal. Well, you know, um, I appreciate that there are things that are investments and I appreciate that most people hate lawyers. But if there was a way to cut out legal, Fortune 500s would have figured it out already. They're investing. You probably should at some degree because that's an essential role on that advisory team. And so I think that the strategy that small businesses need to employ is really what I'm saying. Look at the assets that are the most important and that are making you money or going to make you money first and then start investing and protecting those. I'm not saying that you have to buy the kitchen sink or even get the most expensive lawyer if that's not what makes sense for you. But if you're a business, you're selling something. Invest in a sales contract. (laughs) You're probably creating some IP. At this point, most companies have an IP that's an asset to them. Have a plan for when you're going to make that investment to protect it and know it's going to be a few thousand bucks. So I think strategy is key. And I think if you talk with business lawyers who know what they're doing, they can help you tie your strategy to economics rather than telling you just buy everything and get the most expensive lawyer in town, which I think is feedback that most 
business people are annoyed with and don't want to hear and maybe can't afford. <laughs> so what you're saying is that a lot of times we focus on what we can afford instead of you're saying flip the perspective. You can't afford not to have this in place. Because if you don't, you don't have that, then you won't have a business. Yes. Yes. Go ahead, John. I don't know if that's if that's what you're about to say, but it was okay to my mind. I was literally gonna say that because <laughs> you know, like I said, my family's small business owners outside of what we do in podcasting and everything else. And when we created our first contracts, we had attorneys look at them because otherwise, why create it? I mean, who are you fooling, right? You're just Googling a contract and hoping it works. No, have an attorney. Anybody out there, have an attorney. Check out the contract. It'll cost you a few hundred bucks or seven. I don't know how much it'll cost you. It just depends on the contract, the time, and the attorney. But it's worth it because you're going to make tens of not hundreds or millions of dollars, and you'll be using this contract a lot or a series of contracts. And if you don't have that thing validated, you might as well just do it on a handshake because it's the same thing. And so I 100% agree with you, Kristen. You cannot just cut out legal to save money unless you just don't want to be in business in 10 years. If you um, if you want to ride around without that seatbelt on, you know? I mean, yeah, it's not like riding in the back of a truck hoping you don't hit a bump. Yeah. <laughs> That's better. I'm just I like saying. your analogy better. Yeah. There's a reason states outlawed that, right? And it's just, yeah. It's going to happen. Somebody is going to not pay you or someone is going to try to get out of a contract. It's going to happen. And you have the greatest of integrity as a business. And that's great. But I'm telling you, I've had lots of clients. There will be somebody eventually who will challenge it. And you'll be glad that you had that checked by a good attorney, not your friend, not your uncle, but a good attorney. And definitely not Google. Please, Lord, people, don't don't go Google it. Well, I think I think that's one of the reasons why you know, people avoid talking to lawyers because <laughs> lawyers are focused on risk. We have to look at everything with the evil eye mm-hmm. and entrepreneurs are all about hope and how yeah. things are going to work and how if they take the big risk, it's going to play out. Lawyers are trained and now some have bad bedside manner and some are much better at this. Um, they are going to present things in a way that doesn't pop that entrepreneurial bubble um, but I think a lot of the reason why people don't like working with lawyers is because they're going to charge you for an expensive way of telling you that the thing you want to do <laughs> is difficult and or impossible. No one wants to pay for that. No one wants to hear that. But if it is true, you probably need to hear it sooner rather than later. But in general, I think lawyers as a whole can do a better job presenting those things. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. I'm, I want to, I would like, I seriously would like to know a little bit about your story as far as when you started your company, like take us back a little bit. Obviously we jump into IP because people want to hear that right off the bat, but they're still listening. They're interested in you and what you're doing in, as far as your firm. Can you take us back a little bit? How you started? Like what, what made you want to go this direction in life? You're calling your energy goes towards the, this, this com- amazing company that you started Take us back to the beginning, if you don't mind. Sure. So I've wanted to be a lawyer since I was a little girl. I'm the first lawyer in my family. I've been working since I was 15. And I was raised by a single mom who's an entrepreneur. All things that are point, points of pride for me. And so when I went to law school, really my focus was getting, and this is not a good focus, I don't recommend, but getting one of these big fancy law firm jobs 
where you come out making all this money, They're hard jobs to get, <laughs> but they sound really attractive to us, you know, not so wealthy individuals coming up. And so I took that path and got the dream job at 24 years old, right out of Berkeley Law, which is an amazing law school. And within two weeks of starting at the firm that I started at, I was miserable. Hated it. I was representing Fortune 500s. It was an amazing opportunity, uh, but it did not connect to me. I didn't love, and the law is a service-based industry, I didn't love getting paid a lot of money to find loopholes for big companies. (laughs) They pay for the protection. They deserve it. But my heart is in working with entrepreneurs. And so I started volunteering a lot in that way, doing pro bono work. And then fast forward six years into my practice, um, I started bringing on clients. And one of those clients asked me to sort of leave with them as their general counsel. And I loved it. I loved working hand in hand with a business. Uh, and so I left my firm to go be general counsel for this company. When they sold, I really had to make the decision, do I want to go back to working for someone else or do I want to keep doing what I started. And so I grew my business about four years ago from just me. Now we're a team of 10 in Miami. We represent over 125 different small businesses as their outside general counsel. And my focus, my focus is small business and startup. So we are not suckling at the teat of the fortune 500s. That is not of interest to me and not what I want to build, even though they pay well. And so my opportunity as an entrepreneur is figuring out how to build a profitable law firm so that we can keep adding value to small business owners and entrepreneurs. And I love it. I think that's I think that's incredible. Everybody always wants to go work for the Google or the Microsoft and forget about the quote unquote little guys. Not only are you helping small business owners, though, also running your your bio that you represent and you have a special respect for working with female and minority owned businesses, which which really caught my eye. What was the the drive there to represent female and minority owned businesses? (laughs) Well, I'm a female minority owned business, so there's that self-interest. And I was raised by a mom who, you know, this is how she raised me and my sister. And unsurprisingly, my sister's an entrepreneur as well. So we just have the bug. And I You know, uh, I think that more opportunities that are focused on serving this particular population, especially from the law, are worthwhile. You know, Uh, it's it's my community. And when I decided to build my law firm, I wanted to focus on my people. That's I love your story. So I didn't know all of that, obviously, but I just felt like it was there was something there. And I think people can resonate with your sticking with your purpose and your mission over what might be an easier dollar bill to grab as you mentioned from big business and so forth. And I have nothing against most big businesses, but I definitely relate to the working with small business type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. On a fun note, you recently met Dan Marino. (laughs) Well, I did. Um, Actually, the Dan Marino Foundation, so we also represent nonprofits, is one of our bigger clients. And Mm -hmm. we are general counsel to the Dan Marino Foundation, which is a huge point of pride for us as a small firm. So it was exciting to finally meet him in person 
after we had been representing the foundation for months. And their executive director, Mary Parton, is amazing. And so, yeah, I've actually got, you can't see it, but over there, I've got my signed jersey. And as a firm, it's just a point of pride to be representing such an amazing organization. Love it. <laughs> Kristen, we always ask our guests, we give them the last segment, we call it our off script moment. So we ask our guests to leave our audience with whatever is on your heart that you feel that would be an impact and leave a lasting impact on them. Hmm. In talking with a group of entrepreneurs, I think that it is always important to step into the reality and the truth that you are the creator of your own life. I think the most successful people in business don't uh, stay in victimhood very long and they don't make excuses. And I, I want to be clear, right? There's a difference between victimhood, which is a state of mind, and victimization, which is something that happens to you, right? And I'm not saying that that's okay, right? That happens and, you know, um, I have empathy for that. But I think when we're talking about entrepreneurship and those who are successful, they choose to get past victimization and the state of being of victimhood and see themselves always as a creator. I will never take away someone's power of choice. And so it's sad to me to see people do that to themselves. So I would say you are the creator of your own life and I'm excited about what you're building. Congrats to you. That was powerful. <laughs> Victimization versus victimhood. Wow. Listen, Kristen has been so kind not to just come and be a guest on our show, but to give back to our unscripted audience. She's providing a promo from her organization, from her business, from Corp Law. For all of our unscripted listeners, you will receive a $500 discount on one of Corp Law's flat fee legal packages. To do so, the promo link will be in our episode link description right there. You click the link will see the information with the promo information for you to receive that discount also stay connected with Kristen several ways at Kristen Corpion ESQ and also at Corp Law Firm follow her there on all her platforms from LinkedIn to Twitter to Instagram she's all over the place and we thank her for having this amazing conversation with us here on Unscripted as always, stay connected with us here on Unscripted. You can follow us on all social media platforms at Unscripted Leadership. Check out our website, unscripted-leadership.com. Our podcast is available on every streaming podcast platform. And also, if you want to continue to help our mission to develop and empower leaders around the world to better serve their community, their family, and their world, their business, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Unscripted Leadership. As always, we pray that you be the leader that God has called you to be. We're here to build bridges and not walls. Bridges connect and walls divide. Until next time, God bless you.